Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Zenial Odyssey Podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. Is there a point to this episode today? I think there is a point to this episode today. I think that the point of today's episode is we're going to talk about the institution and infrastructure of television. Yeah. So for people who remember, in season one, we talked about the television, the television shows that influenced us as children. They've influenced our our worldviews. They influenced a lot of things. Now, one thing that we wanted to discuss is we wanted to discuss how television changed in our young adulthood and what happened because of that and where we went and where it never went back to. And what I mean by that is, so we mentioned a lot of television shows by my own admission. We did not mention some of the most popular television shows that were on TV. Seinfeld. We did not mention Seinfeld. We mentioned Married with Children a little bit, but I think that um, 90s comedies have aged terribly. I think we could do an episode on things that have aged terribly because that's yes. its own. Yep. Because like re- I had this thing where I tried to rewatch Seinfeld and um, Friends recently just to, just to see if like the hype was whatever. Watching something now compared to then is like, oh, look at the casual racism. Oh, look at the sexism. Oh, look, casual sexual assault. It's kind of, and I'm not conservative. But it's kind of disturbing to an extent. Rem, can I uh, can I full disclosure? Seinfeld here? hated women. Can I can I full disclosure here? Yeah, I hated Friends and Seinfeld, and I still do. I well, never then perfect. I mean, I've have. If you were to ask me, have I watched any episodes of Seinfeld? I have. Yeah, maybe I've watched like ten. Yeah, it's not over the course of my entire life, and I won't lie, there are some episodes they have that that are really good. Of course, uh, Festivus, because I reference Festivus all the time. Yeah, I think hilarious. Festivus is a great thing. Yeah. Um, I think Jeremy, I think when they were, there was an episode where they were making an episode about their lives and they had Jeremy Piven on to be the George Costanza. I think that's hilarious. Oh, there's always yeah. moments, yeah. you know? Or, or the, the Soup Nazi. The Soup Nazi. Yeah, that's iconic. That's iconic. Couldn't do it now, though. No, you couldn't. Um, but like Friends, I may have watched one full episode of Friends in my life and I still don't get it. It's super overhyped. I it's don't all jokes get how from- it made 10 years. Um, like on the air. Yeah, it's one of those things where it became an uh, institution for some strange reason. But it's if you watch it now, like, yeah, there are a handful of funny jokes, but it's elitist white New Yorkers sort of being elitist white New Yorkers. And yeah, I, I don't I don't think it was the masterclass that everybody thought that it was at the time. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, looking back on 90s comedies, mm, I feel like it was the golden age, but uh, I don't know about that. I think at the beginning of the decade, it was the golden age. Like we talked about in Living Color, like which is sketch comedy, but yeah, uh, even Living we talked about Living Single a little bit. Like that, like that stuff was like, damn, like wow. But quickly that fell away, and uh, I don't like to take sides, so I want to preface this by saying this isn't a side taking. This is just my opinion of just the progression of things in our country. Uh, in the mid '90s, we had a we had a liberal president and. 
at one time we had a lib, we had a democratic house and we had democratic Senate. In my experience, looking back on history things, we as a society don't like that. We don't like all of one political party having that. So we just naturally, we, we swing like a pendulum, the pendulum swings. We do so swing. we had the pendulum swing back to, uh, Republicans, conservatives getting the majority in like the Senate or things like that. And there's a lot of back and forth that goes like that. But as the 90s progressed, the Christian conservative, yeah, the Christian conservative rank of the Republican Party and the people, their constituents, the people they answer to were very powerful. They became very powerful. It started in the 80s with those just those enormously like stadium, stadium, uh, Church, church mega, type of super churches, yes. mega churches, mega churches that just they had a lot of money, and that's the thing that I'm sorry, just based on the expression alone, shouldn't a mega church? Yeah, 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 it's like a mega pint of wine. But with that comes influence, and maybe when shows that we just talked about inappropriateness, like Seinfeld, Married with Children, uh, The Simpsons, like things like that, that are institutions. They couldn't touch those. Yeah. But as those shows kind of died out, either in popularity or they went away, uh, the networks had to answer for that. They had to they had to know that they would lose money if they were doing things like that. So we started to get those shows that I don't even know how to word them. Like, I, you know what the first one that comes to my mind is? The King of Queens. Uh, like the King of Queens. Yeah, it's safe. It's a safe show. It's like, okay. Dude. But it's I didn't even watch it. Talking about. And that's that's the only time it's going to get. Yeah, rice is a safe food, but it doesn't mean I want to eat it every yeah. night for dinner. Yeah, so um, I feel like what we're going to talk about after, we're going to take a break. We're going to play some songs. We're going to play a song, sorry. Nice. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to dive into, while this changed the element for regular broadcast television and basic cable to an extent, we're going to jump into how the game changed. There's your teaser right there. How the game changed. So when we come back from this musical break, we will uh, just dive right into that, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Odyssey, as always, everybody. Welcome to the Zillennial Odyssey, everybody. We love you. Please take your pants off. Black and white, we exist between the lines.
Nicely done. Okay, so I'm just gonna just gonna rip. I'm just gonna rip this one. All right. So we've laid the foundation. We had shows that were quote unquote risque, shows that honestly wouldn't fly today, and we had people of influence. And I cited the Christian conservatives who didn't appreciate certain things, and they would do their power. And when I'm saying their influence, I'm talking about advertising because advertising drives television. Fair to say, Rem. Oh, 100%. Especially, you know, if you're talking about the old model, I mean, still it does, but the old model, 100%. So um, the networks went with safe shows. Yeah, too safe. Too safe. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I'm big on pendulums and momentum. So the pendulum swung too far. But luckily, especially in the late 90s, HBO stepped up and they changed the game. And we're going to lay out how they changed the game. So first off, HBO did television shows before the late 90s they just they didn't make it a focal point their focal points were like boxing comedy specials and playing movies yeah yeah playing movies that weren't on pay-per-view for the you youngins out there uh don't ask about pay-per-view we won't it's just not worth it but what hbo did is they saw an opportunity and they where they could get into the tv show game and they didn't just do it they, they swung they, hard. Yeah, they swung for the fences, and they did some phenomenal things. So I, I was talking to to Remy while on our way up here to do the episode, and I just basically said sequentially from when they started. So the first show that HBO released that fits into the category I'm talking about here was Oz. Bro, for those who don't know, I'll give you. I'll give everyone a little backstory. Oz is about a fictional prison in New Jersey. I believe it's it's for it's like a it's not the whole prison it's a section of the prison yeah like a cell block yeah and they called it the Emerald Isle so they called it Oz like the Wizard of Oz you know um, and the idea behind this wing of the prison was that you took some of the most extreme people and violent criminals and lifers and you put them in this uh, setting where they are going to get along and they're going to uh, it's like utopian yeah yeah. And so what when the, it works. Yeah, when it works. And what the show focused on is it focused on it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they're in like a secluded area or whatever. The black Muslims are going to stick together. The Aryans are going to stick it's together. It's 100% true for jail. If, if you're not if you're not in a group, you set yourself up. Yeah, you're kind of be fucked. That. But but what the show also did is there are some people who are heinous. There's some people who are of heinous. It's jail. Uh, they had this great thing. They had this narrator who was one of the um, prisoners. Mm-hmm. He was pre- he was paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair. And when they were going to focus on a character, they would always give the backstory and they would show you like a flashback to the crime he committed. 
And then the, the prisoner in the wheelchair would say, prisoner, and he'd say his number, say his crime, what he was convicted of. But then they would go into kind of what's going on behind the scenes when they're meeting with chapels, when they're meeting with therapists and social workers. Well, it's something you got to say right off the jump, too, when you're talking about Oz is, listen, man, you've never seen male rape portrayed nope. so realistically, male sex acts. like You never saw gay for the state. Either. No, man. No. It, it, and Oz... For a lot of people, especially in that time in pop, like pop culture, we hadn't really been subjected to that in a way. Um, it was uncomfortable. It was very, it yep. was shocking to the point where, like in the nineties, you'd have idiot people who'd be like, "I don't even watch that show because you're gay shit." Yep. And it's like, well, dude, the, the point is, it's it's sort of supposed to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's forced in a lot of situations. So, it, but here's the thing: I just wanted to say. Oz didn't look away. You kept waiting for the camera to look away, and it didn't. And it didn't. Yep. But what it also did is it showed the dynamics of these. Of It, it made prisoners more than just a yeah. number. People. It, it humanized them. Mm-hmm. It showed that they could be the most heinous of person who have done a heinous thing, but they still have a human side to them. Yep. You know, And it showed the people who wanted redemption. And you saw the people who just wanted chaos. Yep, yep. yep. And you saw all that play out. It was fantastic. By the way, here's a little here's a little snippet for people who didn't realize. Uh, I would say the majority of that cast has spent time on Law and Order SVU. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. like an it's like an evolution. Like yeah. one was the jump off for the other. Yep. You know, yep. if you could make it on if you could make it on that show, you can make it on any show. Yep. And so uh, that was the first really show that HBO gave effort to. That was 1997. 1998 or 1999, The Sopranos. That's it, man. That, that was the one that came in and just yep. fucked up the game for so, everybody. So, spe- so speaking of humanizing people, they just humanized a crime boss. Yeah. Like it showed that he's he's also a family man. He goes to therapy. But don't forget what like, you're saying. Like that that actually is exactly what the Godfather series yeah. was about. The best gangster shit shows you that they're it's family. They can, they can compartmentalize. It's always family. And you're it's, doing it's fascinating. It's just fascinating it from that. You know, in one second he's ordering someone to be killed in the most horrific of ways, and the next he uh, has to make sure he gets to his daughter's recital yeah. on time. He's having dinner with the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the next show that came out, there were two shows that came out in 2001. One of them is related to Seinfeld, and that is Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ah, still a classic. And, yeah, and that, and by the way, I have watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I enjoy that. This is, are you saying that because he's not a Seinfeld fan, Four, guys? 400 times. But Larry David was the co-writer of Seinfeld. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I love his show. I will always remember there was an episode where uh, they were going to have somebody from Survivor on the show. And then somebody asked him, he didn't know. He thought it was like a survivor of the Holocaust. Yeah. And then somebody asked if like one of their friends that they knew who was a survivor of the Holocaust could come on. And so when they get to the party, it's somebody somebody from the the reality show survivor. And there's that awkwardness. And then everyone's just enamored with the, the reality star. And you could just see it boiling with the actual survivor of the Holocaust. And then yeah. they start going back and forth. And then they just says one of the most terrible lines. It's, hey, maybe you heard of our reality show. It was called The Holocaust. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I think for me, um, the moment that I thought was the best on that show was when he didn't know if Michael J. Fox was fucking with him. Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. the, yeah. the Parkinson's. Yeah. There are jokes on that show. And that's also the fucking... Episode two, where he like he mistakenly draws a Hitler mustache on the book, and yep. the, and the gay kid sees it. Yeah. I'm just like, but that's you almost know that like that's that. It's almost sunny edge where it's so mm-hmm. 
goddamn chaotic that they can get away with murder. And I mean, he Larry David portrayed it because he stars in it as like a fictional version of his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, in that year, two thousand one, uh, a show that I think is phenomenal, Six Feet Under. Yeah, everyone, everyone who's watched that show just says that Six it's... Feet Under was created by Alan Ball. For people who don't know, he basically created uh, um, American Beauty. Yep. That was the first thing he did post-American Beauty. And for people who don't know, Six Feet Under basically followed the Fisher family who run a mortuary and funeral home. And the show starts when uh, the father is killed. Uh, that's the first death. Every every episode starts with the death. death. And the first episode starts with their father's death and them doing the funeral for him. Um, Michael C. Hall, that was his first big role. Yeah, Dexter. He, he played um, he played one of the Fisher sons. He was gay, um, and they showed that they didn't. They showed pretty graphic. HBO did not they, go yeah, around. They showed pretty graphic. Uh, I don't. It's not like sex. It's not always sex, but it shows intimacy. Very, very intimacy, and yeah. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I loved about that show is it did it normalized like more our mortality and our death. Because one of the great things, one of the great motifs that that show had was that oftentimes the characters whether they were preparing the body or whether they were there at the funeral when they're having inner monologue with themselves, it is portrayed on the screen as the dead person. Yeah, you you they kind of are using the body as the um the conduit for the conversation. Yeah. Mind yeah. blowing. It's also like super that. sad. Yeah. But they, but they but that was their point. They yeah. they normalized death. Agreed. It, they normalized it, and they also showed us kind of the behind the scenes of the funeral industry. Yeah, I've always yeah. been intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah, the autopsies and the preparing the yep. body and how it's very nonchalant to them because yeah. it's a business. But not even just that. Like one of the one of the major major story themes in the first two and a half seasons is that this conglomerate is trying to buy them out. Of course, yeah, it's yeah. a business and, after and all, and they're fighting right? it because it's a family business and they're trying to do that, uh, you know, for their father, his legacy. Um, but then, and then the final, the final episode, Oof. that, that, uh, two, um, oh, my wife will kill me. I'm forgetting her name. Forgetting your wife's name. No, yeah. no, no, not my wife's name. I know, name. I'm kidding. No, uh, Saya. There you go. Saya. That's, uh, for people who don't, uh, so go powerful. YouTube, go, go look up the final, uh, five minutes of the final episode. No, just watch minutes. the whole show and get there the right way. Uh, so many things that are just phenomenal, and that show that, mm. uh, very, very rarely to great shows end on a great note. Uh, that show did. I thought uh, HBO does that a lot. Yeah. I thought Sopranos had a great ending. Everyone mm-hmm. hated it. Yep. Uh, do, are, do you? Do you? Um, are you one of the people who thinks that the way they did it is really just that we were the ones that got off? Um, like that's why it cuts straight to black. Spoiler alert, right there. Yeah. No. I yeah. my uh, the theory I like the most I think is that it's it, it, the family's killed and it's heaven. Oh, or purgatory. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, like because that. they're all together and everything's normal journeys again. Plan, it has been journeys planned. And like you know, you kind of, kind of feel unsafe because the guy at the thing or whatever. But that's never. Yeah. There's there's a lot of theories, and I I think that the thing is is like they deliberately left it in a way where you could have your theory. Yeah, that's good. That's and I think it was really cool. And I mean, yeah, there's just, you know, here's the thing. A show doesn't have to end the way you want it to to still be amazing. And then in 2002, they, HBO dropped, in my opinion, you can, you, we can have a discussion about this. This uh, could be its own episode. The, the greatest show uh, in television history, or at least in my lifetime, and that was The Wire. Fraggle Rock. <laughs> the, oh, I'm sorry. Rock. <laughs> uh, the Wire. And for people who don't know what The Wire is, The Wire is a, it's basically it's a crime drama. It takes place in the city of Baltimore. And every season, uh, the foundation is the police department, but then it focuses on a, a, an area of the city 
uh, that interacts with the population. So yeah. in the first season, it's the drug trade. In the second season, it's the seaport. In the third season, it is the uh, trap house. I don't remember. No, but the third season had uh, New New Amsterdam. Uh, with basically that that neighborhood where yeah, they just said yeah. it just said free free drug you know you guys can do whatever because people were getting murdered Scared. and left and boarded up that's, houses that's real shit yeah. man um season four was about the oh season three was about the politicians okay yeah. yeah yeah um and season four was about the schools and then season five was about the print media yeah and and everything would get tied in and that show never had great ratings and let's be honest some people say because it was a it was a majority black cast. Yeah, and I think that it it humanized a population that a lot of the racist ass world doesn't want humanized. You're right. Uh, we got to humanize drug drug traders. Yeah, it it just it absolutely did. Yeah, drug dealers. All yeah, of them. I mean, I've known them. They're fucking people. Yeah. Listen, yeah. they're doing a lot better than a lot of us. And it also it also showed like a city. Yeah. It showed what like living in a city. It showed the complexities. And I say city, but it really is trying to. It uses the city of Baltimore as a microcosm of society. But yeah, that's exactly yep. what it is. It's just a yep. smaller version of a big story. I mean, yeah, I live and, in a hood. You know where I live. Yeah, and it shows about how everyone kind of, whether they know it or not, in some way or another, everybody deals with one another. And it's about like the compromises you have to make just to get just where to you survive. Go. Yeah, look yeah. at the, look at season 1. Look at the drug deal. There were there were plenty of people who were drug Michael B Jordan. That was his first yeah, big dude, role. He was phenomenal. Amazing. He was in the drug trade. He was morally conflicted and he's he, a fucking superstar yeah, now. Yeah. And then um there were he wasn't the only one. There were other characters who were like, "Yeah, we do this cuz we have this is what we do to survive. This is what we have to do. We don't want to do it. We know it's wrong." But listen, but it's, it's the only we, option we have. Exactly. What do we have? People don't understand that, man. When you're not handed options, you make your own, you know? That's yeah. just how it is. This is where I want to kind of say the, the things that HBO benefited from is do television shows overall, Rem, do they get a lot of money to operate? No. I mean, the budgets yeah. are so fucking tight. The H HBO? HBO had HBO the real has, budgets for the first <laughs> H time. HBO brought cinema kind of yeah. budgets to TV shows. They're like here, have half a million an episode. Now yeah. that's normal. Yeah. And and on top of that, they were given that kind of financial freedom and they were given full artistic. If we haven't shown it yet, they were given full artistic freedom. Yeah. Which Let's, makes a huge difference. People don't know. And for people who don't know, the, this is premium cable and then premium cable for the first time showed that it could compete like for audience oh yeah for big audiences time. with regular tv and the kind of the reaction to that was i think regular broadcast tv didn't they knew they couldn't go they were like fuck they, yeah they knew they couldn't go where hbo went no they way. didn't they, they did not have those liberties but you know what some of the real smart and savvy ones did made and adapted yeah they adapted fox for example fox Fox released FX to the masses in 96, 97. And it's, at first, it started as, it just played like reruns of Married with Children. Yeah, it was and, like and, just an offshoot of Fox. Yeah, yeah. And and in Living Color, which I loved. I always was there watching Living Color. But eventually, they started to show their, their own shows. And they took risks. FX allowed them, uh, like Fox, to take risks. And one of those risks, which is going to get its own episode, but I'll just touch on it now. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, that, which, that's people, arguably one of the greatest. Yeah, people compare that greatest. to Seinfeld. And you know what? I would say, no, don't disrespect It's Always Sunny like that. I know why, though. It's, yeah, it's I, I groups it of sociopaths. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a group of people, self-centered people. I had actually pitched an article um, the second year I was writing that was, and it got approved, it was how the cast of It's Always Sunny are the cast members from 
Seinfeld in their 20s. And I sat down to write it, and, I, and my editor loved it. He's like, that's fucking great, rah, 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 rah. I sat down to write it, and I was like, you know, you can make the connections, but you can't. Because it wouldn't make sense for them to have, like, it sounds like a great article. It didn't have it once I sat down to do it. I can't it. believe I forgot about The Shield, by the way. Because that was the first <sighs> Michael big, Chiklis. Yeah, that was the first big ep- You have Michael Chiklis energy. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, now that I think yeah. about it. like, but the, but the Shield was the first, that was the first big show that FX Yeah, had. that show was shocking, too. I like. just, I want to let, I want people to understand something. Whether it was basic cable or regular TV, there was really, that was the first time, like, when The Shield came on, that I heard vulgar language on regular, on like, re- and what saw I would, some shit. I was yeah, shocked. At. Yeah, regular TV. When he's when Michael Chiklis is interrogating that person in the pilot episode, and he's just basically sitting there going, "Yeah, you're probably sitting here thinking about sticking your dick in her," and like that Whoa. kind of though that language never flew. Agreed. Even after ten o'clock, they said things flew after ten o'clock. It was bullshit. No, it didn't. Um, yeah, the, in, I would see things on that show that I don't know how they got away with. Exactly. It. Yeah. yeah. And then AMC got on board, and AMC, AMC one, AMC. Yeah, they killed it. They could, you could argue that they killed it just with Mad Men and Breaking Bad. But no, you add Walking Dead, which yeah, is yeah. a fucking institution. Yeah, Walking Dead too. These are shows now beyond before that 10 p.m. hour window. Yeah. And there's there's swears that are on there that you know are considered the seven swears you can't say on seven television. dirty words. Yeah, yeah, George Carlin. But in all honesty, like this is how it changed, and then they got popular. And so what we have all of these, whether it be premium or whether it be basic cable and broadcast, we have all these avenues that are competing for audience. Yeah. And what it really did is it really upped the game. And all of this went on in our young adulthood. And to me, this it built off the foundation of the the chances regular television took. Just didn't didn't take. Well, in our childhood. Yeah. Like how it was it was really more like regular television was taking the chances that, that Yeah, like we, NYPD blue showing buttholes and oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't didn't know why that ever yeah. mattered. Yeah. I didn't need to see Caruso's ass. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, okay, great. He's showering. Ah, yeah. Dennis Franz was even yeah. worse, yeah. bro. So then I think broadcast TV, they realized that they still had the issue of what was going to fly, what wasn't going to fly, and how to do it. And they figured out their avenue. And their avenue was the mockumentary style docudramas. Parks and Rec, The Office. Parks and Rec, The Office, A Modern Family. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how they figured out to do it. And... I when I when I bring those up, everybody, like especially Modern Family, I was talking with Rem. Uh, Modern Family was the first time that I think uh, a gay couple has been genuinely portrayed realistically. Yeah, and not yeah. like as a satire or yeah. anything. Just not as the butt of a joke. Yeah, not, not as over the top. It just it was what it was, and also that it normalized it to. We had a family here, and it normalized it for the family. It wasn't. It was like okay, yeah, whatever. But this, but my overall benefit is that. Uh, Going back to like just HBO, for example, uh, it, to me, it all started there. And yeah. other premium networks started to pick up on it. And that's where we got uh, Shameless. That's where we got Dexter. That's where we got Weeds. Yeah, you could, we got. you could feel that the TV had found yep. a new way to express itself. Yeah, so I'm talking a lot about Showtime, Cinemax, Stars. Stars had Spartacus. Spartacus was dope. Oh, yeah. Jupiter's cock. I used to love like when they'd say stuff like I that. I so bad that dude died. Yeah, I know. That, that show would have gone on for at least another couple. Of, that show was phenomenal. Yeah, it was. Um, but here we had, now we have the other premium networks now battling it out with, the, with HBO. And they're all creating this premium network where I'm sure broadcast TV saw like, oh, wow, we are losing. We are losing bad we're yeah losing we got we got to come hard we're losing audiences <laughs> we're losing producers we're losing actors we're losing all these people who see premium cable as a springboard using just tv shows yeah and and that's the other thing we got to mention is for actors tv shows became the new shit yep. why make a movie maybe once every two three years when you can work week to week 
So that's why you saw huge actors moving on to TV. The other thing that happened, too, is that premium cable doesn't show commercials. Yeah. It's you just get a steady flow. Hour. You get a steady. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You get an hour. You get 56 minutes not interrupted. And you know what? Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's nicer. Broadcast TV. <laughs> broadcast TV could say, yeah, it's an hour long episode. But the reality is with commercial breaks. 44 minutes. It's like 44 minutes. And, yeah. a, and a half hour show is like 22. And, and people just got tired of that. Yeah. Uh, I, and just, you know, it, it, listen, broadcast TV was too safe. Yeah. It was. It got boring. Yep. It's vanilla ice cream when you can have a Sunday. Yep. I think the pendulum swung too much, though. Like, and now I'm talking about modern times today. Yeah. Like, the pendulum swung too much. So now we have, we have other people that come, come aboard. And now we have, like, the left. Yeah. We have, like, the extreme left who's, like, the PC police. And they're like, oh, my goodness, we can't talk about all this. We can't talk about drugs. We can't talk. Like... Don't don't ever try to stop me. No, what what am I stopping you? Oh no, I, <laughs> okay, I got wow, you, got you just fit that. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I sold that. that. I bid on that because another thing that Fox, even though Fox toned it down, Fox was pretty smart. Like think about that '70s show. Yeah, never showing the smoking, they, they but showing show, the smoking. Yeah, for people who don't know the insider trick to this. Uh, when they were sitting around and it would go round table and it would move on to the next person, that's because the person previous was getting past the joint. That was the whole thing about it. That was the joke. Yeah. The, yeah. the circle sessions, and that was a big thing that made people in my stoner demographic be like, oh my God, it's the best show ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, they because... homage to us. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you know, Cheech and Chong on TV. And and they, didn't Chong end up on the actual yeah, yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he worked in the photo booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Hedberg too. Oh yeah, fucking Mitchy Mitchy. Yeah. You wanted to bring up uh, the role that streaming streaming services then started to play. Yeah, well, I think that you know it, what people don't understand now is that me and Bob grew up in this thing called event television, and it was like you knew when The Simpsons was on, you knew when Married with Children was on, you knew when X Files. By the way, all Fox shows. But listen, all you spoiled little punks, we couldn't pick when we wanted to watch it. Nope. We, it would be like Tuesday night at 8 p.m. And if you missed it, there was these things called reruns. But they were randomized, man. You couldn't even be sure you were going to see the one you missed. And sometimes if you were like out of something, you just missed an episode in your show. Like I've had that happen where I started rewatching old shows. And I'm like, I definitely never saw. I definitely never saw this. I Because de- you just missed it. You had a life and you had to work. I mean, if but we, If but, we go back to premium cable... This is where premium cable benefited immensely because they controlled their formats. Yeah. And what they would do is, yeah, they would have the primetime showing. Like the Sopranos would be on on a Sunday night at 9 p.m. But you know what? Uh, Monday, like Monday morning, they would show the rerun. Yeah. Uh, maybe they would show it later on that night at midnight. They just reshow the episode, but they would show it throughout the week. So there were times if you had your TV guide, yeah, TV you guide, catch up, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> TV guide was a must-have. Yeah, but you could see, like, you could you could be better. You didn't have to like. We circled out of streaming though. Let me just yeah. bring it back real quick. I, th- I I did that because I think it naturally leads to like Netflix and streaming. Yeah, so it's strange now because like the ability to watch an entire show in two days. It's interesting, you know. And I didn't. I okay. I loved it at first. First two or three years of Netflix, I was like, this is how to do it. But now I'm realizing that I'm just, sometimes I blow through shows. I do it too quick when I could get a month out of it. But it just shows you like when you, we'll never be happy as a people because we had it programmed for us and we kind of didn't like it. Now we have access to it and it's kind of like, eh. I think Amazon's kind of figuring out the middle of the road thing and I respect what they're doing. Or now they're releasing three episodes on a Friday of this show. So you can still binge their shit in a month, but if you want, you can make it last. Because I remember watching Invincible like that and loving it. Mm-hmm. knowing that on an on a Friday, Invisible was waiting for me, you know? Yep. But 
Yeah, it's, it's, we've watched the TV model evolve and devolve and evolve, and I think that I have no idea where it's going to go next. I mean, if we're talking like monetary-wise, yeah. we already kind of see it. We see that every single station is somehow trying to fracture off from the basic model that you have Even to just buy. to have an app. Yeah, yeah. So for people like me who love sports, who loves New England sports, yeah. uh, the New England Sports Network, Nesson, they have their own app now. Of course That changes do. the game. Yeah. Because I stream like live TV, and I look for where I can get Nesson. I don't have to do that anymore. I could pay whatever it is. If it's like $2, have it when you have $2 it. a month, like, and I could, I could cancel it when it's downtime for Boston sports, and I yeah. don't have to pay that. And I don't have to worry about, well, kind of let's go back to um, Netflix. Because when Netflix started out, it was solely to kind of like more conveniently compete with Blockbuster. And then, yeah. and then they and then they eventually like they they just started streaming. They tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster. Yep. blew the and they blew the doors off of things when they when they started streaming. By my own admission, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, for example, start to finish on AMC. Yeah, I didn't either. Though I, I binge watched it. I binge yeah. watched it on on Netflix. I've actually watched binge watched it on Netflix about four times. Start well, to, it's that good. Start to finish. Every time, by the way, I have a different favorite character. Oh, who is it now? Jesse. Yeah. Jesse's the one because Je- Walter is not redeemable. He no, becomes a monster. Once you, once Jesse, you let, a, let a girl die. Yeah. Jesse goes the other way. He becomes a rede- uh, someone looking for redemption. Hank has always been one of my favorites. Yeah. Hank's a sad because character he, too, Because though. you know what? He's, he's about justice. He's, yeah. about, he's about morals and all that. And then how can you not love Gustavo Frank? Well, I mean, for his, that's, well, that's the problem. It's too yeah. damn good. Picking a favorite for me is not even possible. Yep. But the role that that played, I mean, because now that added another element, especially when things like streaming services started to have their own original content. I mean, we just have such a, a we have a, a playing field, whether it's broadcast TV, basic cable, premium cable. Well, we're streaming. inundated now. It's it's too much. Yeah, yeah. Like I try to start new shows, and I forget that I already just started nineteen new shows. Like, but some some people who are listening to this, maybe they're asking, well, what the hell is the point that you guys you guys have gone on? A, I don't even you know guys, anymore. You guys have gone down the rainbow. My point was, broadcast TV stopped taking risks, but premium cable like HBO picked up the mantle and then some. Yeah. And what they did, for example, let's go back to The Wire. Who's your favorite character? Omar. Most people say, and I love Omar. I mean, I'm sorry to be cliche, Come but on, hunting we will go. He's just, like Robin Hood. He was, he was Robin there's Hood. There's too much to yeah. unpack. That. But it's an, that's another example where I'm not a guy who, believe it or not, who does favorites. Yeah. I don't have a favorite food. I don't have a favorite pick because there's too much good shit. Do you know who my favorite is? Of course not. Bubbles. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> the ultimate redemption. He's a drug addict, homeless person who um, loops completely. Is, he's an informant. He's an informant for the police. And one of the first things he did is he would he would sell hats and he would put a specific hat on somebody who they wanted to pay attention to. Yeah. And they would watch for, through surveillance. It's a smart and all that. But his his progression as a character was that of somebody who wanted to get better and clean yeah. and find and he found religion and and um honestly people like if someone if you better yourself, I don't care how you do it. Oh, yeah. You better yourself. And that's celebrate you. Yep. And that wasn't that didn't mean he was perfect. He wasn't. He would have relapses. He would go through that. He would well, yeah, through. that's the thing that made the show so remarkable is they don't become infallible characters. Exactly. They're very They're fucking flawed. fallible. They're very flawed. And that's why it's easy to relate, you know, and I think that's what scared a lot of middle of middle America about how, the show. How about the first season? Omar helps out the police because the Barksdales murdered his, his boyfriend. Yeah. And that scene where he uh, kind of goes to see the body and he oh, sees so he powerful. sees how they tortured him. Yeah. And just to see that 
this man who has a scar on his face and just walks around the streets of Baltimore with a shotgun, like, and everybody's afraid of him. Hurts like the rest of us, man. He's a human being, too. Of course. Or when um, McNulty's partner. I knew this was going to be. You notice I'm not really talking, guys. I knew Bob was going (laughs) to. McNulty's partner, because they went to. He brings up how we went to high school together. We're we're the same. And Omar's like, no, he's like, look at you. No, we're not. We are not the same. Just went to the same fucking school. Yeah, that was so. That, these are the kind of things that I mean. Like this is how it influenced the the, the regular basic cable and broadcast TV. It became more important. Of more Humanity. money, more oh, okay. money goes into shows. More character development and depth. Yeah, goes and, into, goes and, into and shows. therefore you have a show that. I mean, if you think about the reputation of The Wire now, it's fucking remarkable. It's, yes, it's fucking like cult status. A lot of people do consider it one of the best fucking shows of all time. I'm one of those people, you know, and, and you, you can understand it. But OK, so what are we circling back to? That was what I was circling back to was okay. that having the resources and the artistic freedom to create television, true art to, yeah, to create true art, but to also create these paint, these pictures of people that our society just looks at a yeah, certain hates. way and it, yeah, hates and it humanizes people. And I think there's a section of people in our country that hate that they hate that, that because it oh, ru- of course some of because for some of them it ruins their ideal of what yeah you can't humanize yeah. the enemy yeah how dare you yeah but how dare how dare you make my enemy me. Mo- more than just a thing yeah you've made it into a person and I mean that that's you know and I'll say you know that if you really look at HBO shows that's what they did Sopranos humanized the 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 old school gangster more the wire humanized the new school gangster more you know there were shows like weeds that humanized dealers there were shows like like it was remarkable you could tell it was it was television getting brave again and i you know i was telling bob on the way here for anyone who hasn't fucked with it hbo max's shows are as of like the same quality they're just really really good yeah and um but we're at a point now we're sort of at a crux between the streaming channels and the death of old school tv and i don't think anyone can really predict where it's going to be in five years no i don't i think that we're sort of just going to sit back and wait and see yeah take a breather everybody (sighs) and this odyssey has come to our conclusion like always so until the next time take care thank you for joining us we care about you 